0: Good morning. My name is Curtin. I'm also one of the pastors here, and I'd like to add my welcome to you. If you're visiting with us this morning, we'd encourage you to hang out after the service is over. Don't rush off too quickly. We'd love to be able to greet you and find out a little bit more about what brings you out to Faith Covenant Church this morning. What a wonderful song uh, to remind us uh, to stay calm. and carry on, right? There's a lot of fear out there right now about the coronavirus, and uh, my wife Tammy and our son Lucas uh, went shopping yesterday afternoon and said the the shelves in the stores are bare and people are like hoarding stuff, and uh, there's a lot of fear, But, but you know what? If you were with us last week, we can celebrate as Christians that you know that perfect love casts out fear? We have nothing to be afraid of. Our souls have been purchased with the blood of Christ, and there is nothing that anyone or anything in this world can do to touch us. Amen? Amen. Now, that being said, I want you to know that uh, your staff and the church leadership are, are taking uh, this situation seriously, and we're talking about it. We are called to be wise stewards, and so we're encouraging everyone to follow the practices that the CDC is recommending. Uh, again, we're doing holy bumps and you know hugs and wash your hands. We've got some extra sanitizer out there so you can use your alcohol stuff. We're going to try and be wise in the midst of this, and we're also uh, using this as an opportunity to say, you know what? We can do a better job of just thinking through emergency preparedness, right? And so one of the things that we're recognizing that is really an easy step for us to do is if anyone feels uncomfortable coming to church and they need to stay home, there is no reason why they can't join us online in these days, right? So we're going to take a step to be able to do live streaming, and so if you need to stay home or you have friends or loved ones who want to connect, or worst case scenario, there's some other emergency where we have to cancel church. Last year, winter, we canceled church because of weather, right? The whole parking lot was ice. Uh, We can gather online. So we're going to be taking steps, and we're going to be sharing with you more in this coming week and beyond about how we can be wise stewards and stay connected and love one another well. We are in week three of a series that we're calling Soul Care, which is really all about stewarding the gift that is you. Uh, the best gift that you can give to God and to those that you love the most is the gift of your best self. And so like when you fly on the airplane and they say, should there be a rapid decrease in cabin pressure, an oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling and you should put the oxygen mask on your self first, because we know that if we aren't taking care of ourselves, we, are not, uh, we don't have what we need to be able to offer to others to care for others and to love them. And, and God said the best way that we can show our love for him is by learning how to love others well. A soul isn't so much something that you have as it's something that you are. We are living souls. And John Ortberg in his book called Soul Keeping reminds us that our souls are not separate from other aspects of our lives, but it's the integrating center of who we are. It's the core of our being. It's our inner life that was created in the image of God and was designed to be able to give and receive love with our Heavenly Father. In his book, called Surrender to Love, author David Benner says that genuine soul care begins when we realize that we were created in love and that we were created for love. And that even though our lives have been broken by sin, God does not love us any less. Sin doesn't change God's love for us. Sin breaks our ability to give and receive love with God and with one another. That's what Jesus came to show us, right? Sin changes our ability to give and receive love, and so overcoming sin is not about changing our behavior. It's about changing our hearts and bringing healing to our souls. Soul care is ultimately about cultivating our relationship with God. Self-care becomes soul care when it becomes a means of opening our hearts to the living God. Now, we uh, passed out uh, Real Life Together journals on their first Sunday, and we have them in the back tables. If you didn't get one, you can uh, feel free to get up during the sermon and go grab one if you want one. You can grab one on your way out. You can take one for a friend. Uh, this is some of our new swag, right? Stuff we all get here at Faith Covenant Church. And we want to encourage you Uh, to consider using a journal, a prayer journal, as as a tool in your soul care toolkit. Because journaling our prayers and getting our thoughts out and and recording what we hear God speaking into our souls is a part of of how we can engage with God and learn to hear the voice of God in our lives. And then each week we're also passing out uh, these soul care exercise cards. Uh, It's kind of a little bookmark. Uh, You have a new one that was uh, on the seat drop for you today, and uh, we also have the ones from the previous weeks, and we'll end up having about six of these over the course of the series that you can use to experiment with ways to engage with God through different soul care practices. Now, I want to kind of go backwards today, and rather than jumping into the meat of the message, I want to talk about our soul care practice for today a little bit so that we understand how this fits into the larger scheme of what we're being invited to do. Soul care exercises, if you've been around Christianity very long, have traditionally been called spiritual disciplines. And we know that while exercise, in order for it to be effective in our lives, it has to be a consistent discipline that we're pursuing uh, over and over again, right? And yet that word discipline kind of sounds a little bit like punishment, right? And so if we think about a soul care exercise, it's a little more proactive and hopefully invitational, uh, and we think less about something that we have to do in order to appease God so that he won't get mad at us and discipline us. (laughs) Soul care exercises are are really about engaging our hearts with the, the heart of God. As we said last week, spiritually speaking, fear has to do with punishment. And one of the primary barriers to our ability to enter into and surrender to God's love is our fear that somehow we're not good enough or somehow we're not going to measure up. And so we want to understand that God's love overcomes our fears and our sins and invites us to come just as we are. The Bible tells us perfect love casts out fear. And it's God's perfect, unconditional love that is the oxygen that our souls most need in order to breathe. This is especially important today because of this uh, soul care exercise we're introducing, which is fasting, right? During the season of Lent, a lot of people choose to fast, and fasting is willingly forgoing something that's a normal part of our life for a, a, a season. It, it could be for a day. You could fast from food, which is the traditional thing that most people fast from. You could do it for a half day, a day. Some people go a week. Some people go the full 40 days to try and be like Jesus, right? That's pretty ambitious. But fasting, like all soul care exercises or spiritual disciplines, is not about earning God's favor. It's not. I was talking about this with Tammy yesterday, and she said, you know, it's kind of like getting your mission mocha card punched every time you buy a a, a coffee so that at the end you get get a free one when you get to 10, right? (laughs) That's not what fasting is all about. There's a long history of fasting in the Bible and in Christian spiritual practice. And we know that Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days before he entered into his public ministry. And we can see people fasting in order to seek healing from God, to to find greater spiritual awareness in their lives, to, to renew their inner strength and to receive revelation and to hear God's voice more clearly. But it's really important that we understand that the intent and the purpose of fasting or any soul care exercise is about engaging the heart of God in love so that we don't end up mistakenly doing ourselves more harm than good. We may choose to fast from things like technology, from entertainment, from coffee, from alcohol. I mean, it's anything that, that you feel is a, a part of your life that you might be using to distract yourself from what's really going on in your soul. Uh, things that you can fill your time with that might prevent you from spending more time with Jesus and in allowing his love to engage your heart and your mind and your relationship with him. But again, we need to be clear, Right? These exercises and willingly foregoing something in your life is not a test of your strength. It's not a test of your willpower and your ability to stick to it. It's not a test of your level of commitment to God. Fasting is a way of redirecting our appetites away from the things that distract us and redirecting them towards the God who loves us. Fasting is often a soul care exercise people pursue during this season leading up to Easter. And I'd like to encourage you, if you've never fasted before, to consider the possibility that this is something you could try out. And you can start small. It doesn't have to be a big thing. And at the end of the the sermon time today, we're going to take a little fast together. And so we'll talk more about that. But put this in your toolkit and consider whether or not this is something God might use to draw you closer to himself. If you think about it, When we feel hungry, right? Physically, when we're when we're hungry, you feel those hunger pangs in in your body, right? Or when we feel thirsty, it's our body telling us that it's time to drink some water again. What do you feel when your soul is hungry? What do you feel when your soul is thirsty? How can you tell if your soul is being deprived of the spiritual oxygen that it needs in order to breathe and have vitality and fulfillment and life? If we're honest, much of the time, wouldn't we say that we don't really know how to answer that question? See, the soul care exercise of fasting is intended to be a way to help us become more aware of the appetites that we have, not physically, but spiritually. Spiritually. Right? For example, if we're fasting from food, when your body feels the pangs of hunger, it can become a physical reminder to pay attention, not to the physical hunger, but to what lies deeper. What's the deeper need that we're longing for? What are our souls really craving that we're missing out on? And it becomes a reminder, kind of like if you set an alarm reminder on your phone, right? To, to, To redirect your attention back to God and say, okay, God, tell me what I'm missing. Help me see." where you are in the midst of my life in this moment and help me to reconnect with the source of life that my soul really needs. We remember that it's the perfect love of God that our soul most desperately needs. And I think that's why Jesus talking to his disciples and the people that followed him said, I am the bread of life. We know that our bodies need food to survive, but what do our souls need? How do we feed on the life-giving bread that Jesus says he alone can provide? It's the perfect love of God that drives away our fears and gives us the confidence to come to God, even in our brokenness and our sin. And so fasting is simply another way, and I'll say it this way, of intentionally positioning ourselves in a posture of prayer and relationship to the God who loves us. Now, why is all of this important And as we continue to explore the idea of soul care in our lives? I want to suggest this morning, because in the same way that our fears can be an obstacle that prevent us from being willing to come to God and surrender to his love, our own misconceptions of unhealthy religiosity can also get in the way. And as we encourage and exhort one another to get better at stewarding and caring for the best gift that you have to give away to God and to others, it's really important that we don't set out to do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. We realize that this is what Jesus was concerned about with his disciples. And a lot of his teaching on soul care was uh, inviting people to be wise in our stewardships, stewardship of our lives with God. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13, Jesus said, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, I think it's really clear that what Jesus is trying to help his disciples and us today to recognize is that we explore this idea of connecting with God through soul care exercises as we learn what the life of prayer is really all about. He wants us to understand that prayer is not a magical incantation, that if you say it in just the right way or if you repeat it enough times, somehow you're going to manipulate God into giving you what you want. That's not what prayer is about. For Jesus, soul care prayer is not about employing a tool to manipulate God and look good in the eyes of people around you to show how pious and holy we are. Yes, I have been fasting for seven days. Mm Mm-hmm. You try it. (laughs) Let's take a minute and look Just at verse 8, because as I was reading through this passage this week, this verse jumped out at me as a completely amazing statement by Jesus. Do not be like that, Jesus says. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Your Father, your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. See Jesus is presupposing that God is a loving heavenly father who not only loves us unconditionally but he is so attuned to the needs of your soul that he already knows exactly what you need before maybe even you understand what you need. In the Lord's prayer we have a a, a summary uh, from Jesus of what soul care is really all about. Right? If we look at this Soul care prayer of Jesus. We see that soul care starts with the recognition that God loves us as a heavenly father with an unconditional and perfect love. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we begin to trust in God's love for us, we begin to let go of the need to control and manage our own lives. We, we begin to give up our will and our need to somehow uh, be the one that's in charge. And we begin to surrender ourselves because we trust that God's will is better than, than what we can do in our own strength. Because we know and have come to rely on the love that God has for us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, as we begin to realize that all of the things that we're striving for and that we're hoping for and that we're longing for and that we're working for in this life that's trying to fill that need within us that that is never satisfied, we, we begin to realize it's really something that only God can provide. And because he loves us so much, he's willing and able to give us exactly what we need each day at the right moment when we need it. Give us this day our daily bread. In fact, Jesus said he already knows what you need before you even ask it. See, because we know and rely on the love that God has for us, we don't need to fear coming to God with our shortcomings and our brokenness and our failures. In fact, we realize that he's the only one who can truly pick us up and dust us off and through forgiveness and grace get us back on a good path in our lives. In his gentleness and in his love, he wants to help us learn to love ourselves and to love others in the same way that he has loved us. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. But as we talked about last week, we also have to recognize that soul care is spiritual warfare. The battleground is inside each one of us. Our souls are are, are the battleground where where the spirit of God is waging war with the spirit of the devil to, to win the hearts and the minds of mankind. We have an enemy who would love nothing more than to continue to distract us and to lie to us and to prevent us from going to the one place where we can find help and hope for our weary souls. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, Jesus says. As we reflect on the Lord's prayer, we can begin to see, I hope, that this is Jesus' soul care prayer. God wants our love and our friendship, not just our good behavior, He wants, if he simply wanted compliance, he could have made robots, right? He could have made automatons that just naturally did what he wanted them to do. But he created human beings because he wants genuine communion and intimacy with people who not only can receive his love, but can love him back. When we focus religiously on our outward obedience, Jesus says we remain focused on ourselves. We focus on our strength, on our will, on our ability to live up to God's expectation. How many of you here this morning think you can live up to God's expectation? (laughs) Not me. All have sinned, the apostle Paul tells us, and fallen short of the glory of God. Our righteousness is but filthy rags. We have nothing to come to the throne of God to offer him that he needs. But he invites us to come anyway, empty-handed, open-hearted, to receive his gift of love and grace for us. If we remain focused on ourselves and our strength and our will and our compliance, we run the risk of believing that we can somehow live up to God's expectation in our own strength. And so we keep the focus on me. But if we learn to surrender our will to God's will, it allows us to give up our illusion of control in this life, and we discover the freedom to not have to We can trust in God's ability to manage our lives and to give us what we need. This was the example that Jesus gave us continually in his own life, in surrendering his own will to the love of his heavenly Father, so much so that even on the night before he was hung on the cross, knowing what was coming, not wanting to die, Father, please let this cup pass from me, he prayed. And yet... Not my will, but yours be done. Benner in his book, Surrender to Love, says Christian spirituality starts with following Jesus in his self-abandonment to God. Letting go of myself, letting go of my will, letting go of my strength, letting go of my goodness opens me to discover and to rely on God's will and to discover God's strength and to discover God's goodness in my life. Relying on my will to make things happen doesn't focus me on God and his love. It keeps the focus on me. Benner goes on to say, willful obedience to God does not bring us the vitality and fulfillment we long for. All it does is reinforce our own egos and the temptation to either spiritual pride when we are successful or greater guilt when we fall short. Rather than willpower and resolve, Benner says, love becomes the motive for what we will and what we do in our lives. This is where the spiritual transformation of the Christian life comes from. When we surrender our will to God's will, his perfect love works its way in our lives from the inside out. Christian obedience to God's will begins, Jesus tells us, not by mustering up our own strength, not by pulling ourselves up by our spiritual boot bootstraps, not by putting on a happy face and saying, oh, everything's peachy keen, fine. But by abandoning our reliance on ourselves to discover another strength, that is what our souls desperately need. Only perfect love can give us the courage to fully abandon ourselves to someone else. And only perfect love is safe enough to abandon ourselves to. See, this again tells us that Jesus is the key to genuine soul care. He doesn't command us using his authority in order to surrender to his demands of obedience. He welcomes us with love and invites us to experience intimacy and care and spiritual friendship. He made himself vulnerable in love so that we could open our vulnerabilities to him and receive his love. In giving up our need to strive for perfect obedience to God, and in giving up the need to control our own lives, Jesus tells us we find rest for our souls. We find fulfillment in God alone, and we find a new motivation for living our lives out of the deepest parts of God's restoration project inside each one of us. I think that's why Jesus said in Luke 9, verses 23 to 25, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self or to lose their soul? Isn't it kind of a paradox, right? That the abundant life that Jesus promised us comes not from our own effort and grasping and our ability to be successful as Christians, but it comes from giving up and letting go of our own strength and not relying on ourselves anymore, abandoning hope that somehow we've got what it takes and letting go and letting God reveal his power and strength at work within us. And what's even more amazing I'd like to suggest for us today is that we discover that it's not only that Christ's strength and present appears and arises in us, but that perhaps even more importantly, we discover that we live our entire life in Christ. Early Christian writers equated the Christian life to being like a fish. You know the fish symbol. Do we have the fish symbol, right? And the the, the fish uh, symbol was a symbol of early Christians, and the word in the Greek letters, ichthus, is the word for fish, and it's an acrostic uh, that says, uh, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Well, what I didn't realize until I was doing some research for this message is that some of these early Christians envisioned Christian life in terms of living in water like a fish. As Christians, we are born into and we live our lives within the divine waters of the Holy Spirit. And Benner tells the story of an ancient Sufi parable that talks about fish that anxiously spend their days swimming around trying to find water. All the while failing to recognize that they're living in the very midst of it. They can't see it Because they're in it. It's the very atmosphere in which they live. And then they're searching for the very thing that is all around them. And their distress is overcome. And great relief the moment that they realize where they really are. Men and women. Loved ones. Do we understand that in the same way, soul care is about inviting the Lord to open the eyes of our hearts, to realize that we are already living in the divine waters of God's Holy Spirit. In John 4, if you remember Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, he says that, that the Spirit of God is like a spring of living water that wells up to eternal life. We no longer need to thrash about in life trying to, to swim and stay afloat because Benner says what we need to learn to do is just float. It's a lot easier to float, right? And we see, he says in Revelation 22, an image, a poetic image of the fulfillment of God's kingdom, that the river of God's spirit flows from the throne of God and from the lamb. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and from the lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Like a fish in water, we are invited to discover that we can live our lives in the presence of God. Staying afloat and moving along through life are not up to us. It's all about living in the flow of God's Spirit in our lives. All we have to do is surrender and trust in God's love for us. What we discover is that we are more and more able to obey God in our lives because of our love for God that grows and grows. And we've learned to fully trust in his perfect, unconditional love for us as the very environment in which we live and move and have our being. All of the soul care exercises we are introducing are intended to be experiences that invite us to become aware that we live our lives in God's loving presence, to let go And let God lead. As we cultivate our relationship with God, we put our trust in him and we begin to pray with Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. I want to close by doing a soul care exercise today. And what I'm going to invite us to do is I'm going to invite us to take a three-minute fast. And here's what I mean by that. I'm going to invite us to fast... From speaking, to fast from music, to fast from noise. I'm going to invite you to put your phones away, to put your soul care journals away, and to spend three minutes in silence as we try to see if we can let go and float on the current of God's Spirit that is here. Now, three minutes might sound short, but I can guarantee you in our hectic, busy entertainment culture, it might feel like a long time. And it might begin to feel a little bit awkward, and that's okay. Allow whatever emotions come up with you to be that, 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 that alarm system that directs you back to God to say, God, what do what you have in this for me? What are you speaking to me through your spirit? And how can I put my trust more and more in you? You up for it? All right. I'm going to open us in prayer. We're going to dive into the river of the Holy Spirit and sit quietly in the silence of God's presence. And then at the end, I will pray again, and I'll invite us to recite the Lord's soul care prayer together. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of love and mercy. Forgive us this morning for the ways that we allow ourselves to be distracted and to avoid coming to your presence and meet us here in this place as we abandon all hope that we will ever figure it out in our own strength. We ask you to buoy us and help us to understand that we live in you and have our being in your loving presence. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your loving presence. Continue to draw our hearts to you. Give us the courage to give up on our own strength and to learn to rely on you. Help us to understand that it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And that at any moment of any day, you make our daily bread available to us. Those very things that we need in order to thrive, to grow, and to find fulfillment in you. God, together as disciples of Jesus, we come together to pray the Lord's soul care prayer as your people. And we have the words on the screen, if you'd like to follow along there. Where Jesus taught his disciples to say... Amen and amen.